Hi listeners and welcome to Reasonable and Necessary, Australia's period podcast series on everything you ever wanted to know about the National Disability Insurance Scheme. Brought to you by the Summer Foundation. I'm your host, Dr. George Talaforis, and on today's episode, we're talking to the Shadow Minister for the NDIS, Bill Thornton, about what it took to create the NDIS and where it may be heading. Check it out. Hi, Bill. Thanks for joining us. Oh, it's us. a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to uh, talk to you today about the NDIS. I know it was almost 15 years ago when I, uh, you and I first met, I think, and it was at a conference, and I, I think it would have been about 2008, and you were the parliamentary secretary for disabilities at the time, and you were giving a speech, as politicians often do at uh at conferences, but it, it felt it felt different to me. You you were talking about the social model of disability. You were talking about the injustices experienced by people with disability. And I I thought this guy I think he I think he actually gets it. I, I was quite impressed down back then and what were your memories of that time when you first started in the disability field? Well, I was brand new into Parliament 13 years ago and I you know, I thought I'd seen unfairness as a representative of workers' rights and standing up for workers and seen unfair treatment of workers, but nothing prepared me for the systemic second-class exile to which... Australians with disability were cast by the system, the the sense of crisis in disability funding, that you had to be worse and worse off to get support, the invisibility and lack of power and money of people with disability. So I realised that we needed to change their power and we needed to find a great deal more financial economic resource for people with disability. And there was a, there was a long journey that uh, occurred after that. There was... The Productivity Commission uh, report that, that was uh, developed and there was obviously the uh, introduction of the, of the NDIS Act. Over, over 10 years later, Bill, we've got the NDIS rolled out across the country and, you know, you made a, you had a big role in, in that. It wasn't just you, was it? Oh, no, it was lots of people. There was um, a grassroots movement. There were people with disability and the people who love them, people who work with them. Uh, there were Labor got on board with the idea, uh, Jenny Macklin and Julia Gillard. Um, we managed to get some sort of grudging bipartisanship out of the Liberals. But it was a, uh, it was a, for me it wasn't, the goal of the NDIS, even even though that was important to me, was how you organise people. And I believe in life that if you can get a lot of people who don't have power and equity and agency and bargaining strength, but get them all together, then they can become a formidable host, a formidable group. And that's what we did with disabilities. We took it from the back of the budget to the front of the budget, from the 
from the you know footnote in the newspaper to the front page, and that's what we wanted to do. It was a big change. I remember because uh, I started in the you know advocacy field in the early you know early two thousands, probably earlier than that, and it was so hard to get uh, media attention on on the issue of unwritten need around disability and. Um, and suddenly, yeah, you're right. We were, we were quite organised, and we were quite united, and we we kind of were at a point where people were listening. The government um, was taking us seriously, and we were about to embark on on uh, you know a, a transformation that we'd never seen before, and, and I. I think that's what the NDIS has become, a huge transformation. And it's the flagship of how we should treat disability in Australia, but I worry that following last year's election loss and getting back into the NDIS world, that it's um, drifting. It's made a lot of difference and it does a lot of good. Uh, And we've come so much further than people could have imagined a decade ago when I speak at that conference. But having said that, I worry that it's got the wrong people running it. It's losing sight of the values of an individualised scheme based on rights as opposed to becoming an algorithm-driven ration system of welfare without the individual at the centre of the decision-making or priorities. We'll get on to some of those issues in a second, but before I do, I just want to get get a sense from you because... um, the, the 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 act was developed and um, it was quite a, a progressive act at the time, the NDIS Act. We're sort of moving into a time now when that act is being looked at as um, something that needs to be amended. Um, if you were to design the NDIS, you know, with the hindsight we have now around, you know, what we all know ten years ago, is there anything that you would have done differently? Well, hindsight's infallible, isn't it? So uh, I think one thing we'd have to reconsider if we had our time again was we said that people above the age of 65 didn't need to be covered by the NDIS Act if they had a disability because aged care was working. Now, I'm not saying how we fix it, but I think there's a real, real cliff which people with disability, if they're over 65 are now just getting a very rudimentary aged care support and it shouldn't be your age which determines the level of disability care you get. So I don't have an answer to that, but I think it's a problem. We've got to speak honestly. I also think that keeping the state's feet to the fire in some matters is important. The federal government's been hopeless with their independent assessments and cuts and whatnot, cuts by stealth, but I think the states need to be more engaged. We need to, the federal level of government needs to be better at engaging the states on some of the state's responsibilities, such as schools, for example. And I think a third issue is um, I think we need to look at how we uh, design in people with disability into the highest structures of the board and the administration of the scheme. I think uh, that's a weakness of the current government, that people with disability aren't at the big tables helping make the big decisions. 
interested in this because we've heard the government talk about the postcodes and that the rich of the postcode, the, the, the worst of plan. I've also seen some analysis that says that, well, it's actually the, um, the component of, um, SIL or SIL supported independent living that has been uh, skewing the numbers. There's a few different perspectives on, uh, on, on that. I think there's a little bit of truth in each of the perspectives. Uh, but the government's answer to some people getting good packages and others are not is to make it harder for people to get good packages. So they're in a race to stupid, uh, and that's what the government's trying to do, cut back. I think decisions should be, uh, in some cases, published so everyone else can see what the criteria is. I think we should almost have a, uh, a Wikipedia of NDIA decisions so people can see what's going on and uh, everyone's working off the same information. Too much of NDIA decision-making, in my opinion, is done in a black box like a magician and we can't actually see what's happening in the black box. So the transparency is key, is that what I you're think saying? transparency is part of it. I think training up, I think having more direct employees of the agency rather than labour hire. I think the as an organisation it builds its own knowledge over time, but there's such a high staff turnover that um, lessons get forgotten by new people because they never get passed on. Yeah, and I'm thinking that... Um... You know, we need to really train the planners to uh, do the job in a way that's A-respectful and be consistent And 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 also, I, I feel like um, we, we need we need uh, a lot of people with disabilities in these roles so people who really understand um, what, what it means to have a disability. Yep, 100%. What are your thoughts, Bill, on the uh, sustainability of the NDIS? There's been a lot of talk about um, this, and we've been hearing that costs are coming up, and, and you know, we, 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 we all want the scheme to be sustainable. We want the scheme to be there for the long haul, and we also want uh, um, people to receive, you know, the funding that's, that's fair. Um, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, fundament, I fundamentally don't tr- trust the government. Like, if they say it's raining outside, my best advice is go outside and have a look for yourself. Like, if they say the scheme's not sustainable, they should provide all the information they make the decision on. And I think part of what they say makes the scheme not sustainable is there's too many people getting packages. There's not a quota on disability in this country. You can't just say after you've got 100 people with dementia that the 101st person with dementia shouldn't get funding or that after funding 100 children in early childhood with uh, early childhood intervention packages that the 101st child diagnosed with developmental delay shouldn't get a package because they're full up already. So, one, I don't trust them. Two, I want to see their information that they say that there's a crisis. Three... I think they have to be prepared to accept that if we've got more people with disability than we initially thought, that doesn't mean you shrink the scheme. Uh, now, I do think you've always got to be on your guard for uh, wasted money and service or over, service provider overcharging, but I don't 
I don't buy that there's some catastrophic disaster happening in the NDIS. I just think the government would rather spend money on other things than people with disability. Other things that you think uh, need to be done to, to save money? Yeah, yeah. I do think maybe we need to start having an independent pricing authority. I think we need to have more direct hire staff and labour hire staff. I think we want to revisit the litigation strategies where they spend money on lawyers rather than just accommodating people's claims. I think um, they need to encourage more innovation in the housing area rather than just sitting on people's supported independent living packages. I think that they need to have a conversation with the states about the states probably funding the school system rather than parents supplementing their child's education with NDIS money. Uh, I think timely decision-making would improve people's mental health and also the amount of paperwork that people have to handle. So there's some simple propositions. The election isn't that far away. <laughs> and I'm, I'm really interested, people listening uh, are going to want to know, um, you know if there is, you know, Labor government um, next year, what are some changes that they... Uh, uh, the bank could expect um, with the NDIS and what, what's, your, what's your long-term vision? Oh, we've got to make sure that the NDIS is returned to its original vision of choice and control for people with disability uh, at the centre of decision-making. So more people with disability in decision-making roles at the NDIA, a plan to develop the workforce, a plan to uh, work better with the states, uh, I think we need to really cement in customer obligations from the agency so that decisions are made in a timely fashion. I think that we need to do better at uh, what we said earlier in the podcast, the Tier 2 support so that not everyone needs to come to the NDIS. I think we've got to have more social procurement of services uh, provided by people with disability in the Commonwealth. I think the Commonwealth needs to be an employer of choice for people with disability. I think we need to do a lot more about encouraging people to employ people with disability. I think um, we need to encourage people with disability to get involved in our political system. I want to make sure that our information's transparent uh, and that we don't just have an NDIS, but we have a national disability strategy, of which the NDIS is a flagship program. Yeah, I think they're very, very good. Uh initiatives, Bill, and to all of you Australians and Disabilities that are listening and watching, do you have any final words of, that you'd like to leave us with? The core challenge of people with disability from a political viewpoint is to have more political power and to have more economic resource. Not voting and not participating in the political system just leaves the system to people who don't care about disability. So get out talk to your friends, talk to your family, talk to the people you work with, talk to the carers, build a coalition for uh, disability such that no political party runs for election without a fair income platform of doing more for people with disability. Uh, and that's the way that we maintain and improve the relative share of power and money which people with disability have in Australian society. I want us to be the best in the world. Um, nothing less is uh, acceptable. Thank you, Bill, and thanks for your advocacy. Oh, you, George. You do a great job, mate. Thank you, Bill. That's all we have time for on today's episode of Reasonable and Necessary, brought to you by the Summer Foundation. 
to be notified of future episodes, don't forget to hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. Thanks for watching, and until next time, stay well and reasonable.